0: Hello and welcome to the Girlfriend God podcast, a podcast in search of and in service to the divine feminine, bringing you an equal mix of academic research and emotional spiritual experience. If you enjoy the Girlfriend God, please share it, rate it, or leave a review. Let's Let's get get in the flow. here we go welcome to the girlfriend god today i am so excited to welcome minette chilson to the show we've done some workshops together in the past and minette i love your fiery spirit when you're covering something that you're really deeply passionate about Uh, minette is a feminist scholar an author and the founder of woman's spirit reclamation She has written and spoken about the Divine Feminine for the past decade, authoring Sophia Rising, Awakening Your Sacred Wisdom Through Yoga, and My Name is Lilith. She was awarded an Illumination Book Award Gold Medal, as well as the Hoffer Small Press and First Horizon Awards. She edited Original Resistance, Reclaiming Lilith, Reclaiming Ourselves, and the Companion Lilith Circle Guide for Group Study, And you can find Minette online at jointhereclamation.com and at Minette Chilson on Instagram and Twitter. Minette, welcome to the show.
1: Welcome. Thank you, Kelly, and thank you, Carla. I'm thrilled to be here.
0: Okay, so we titled the episode uh, Healing the Sisterhood Wound Eve and Lilith. So my understanding of the sisterhood wound, because we have several woundings, right? That were That's mm-hmm. our spiritual development path is to heal these woundings. So what is the sisterhood wound?
1: Well, there are probably as many definitions of it as there are women who experience it. But the way I understand it, and this is all new um, work that I am processing and new um, downloads I'm getting, this is not like old stuff that I did years ago that I'm regurgitating. Mm-hmm. Um, this has all happened. And I've gotten a new understanding of this way women are pitted against each other, not even in the typical like mean girl ways that were like, oh, yeah, that's not me, which is what I always did. I always said, oh, that's not me. That doesn't apply to me. But there's um, these systemic woundings that come when every story and every image that's told about us, especially in a sacred sense, is filtered through the patriarchy. Every single one of them. So the aha for me in this sisterhood wound is that there's Lilith and Eve who we're talking about today. And I really thought when i first wrote about lilith i was so empowered and so inspired and i picked her like she was my my woman i was going to follow everything resonated but i didn't realize that i was throwing eve under the bus at the same time mm. like that's okay. what patriarchy tells us is that first of all there's a hierarchy right right and um so you've got to you want to pick the one that's higher up And also there's a duality. So it's not a this and, it's which one? Which one are you going to pick? And so I picked Lilith. And um, I am now coming to understand through some things I know we're going to get into on this episode that the Eve that I rejected was not the true Eve who sought wisdom in a beautiful way. It was the Eve that was demonized for a really necessary purpose, which is the creation of patriarchy. We had to discredit her from the get-go. So I am just now coming into this place of embracing both of them. And I think it's a beautiful way for all of us to delve into however the sister wound or the sisterhood wound manifests in our life through this mythology.
0: That's incredible. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Carla.
2: No, I was just, my mind is like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because you said two things that as I'm writing down, you know, as you're talking, mm-hmm. I don't want to interrupt too much, but I was excited because I picked Lilith as my very first podcast episode. Um, and I've always had a soft spot for her. now, you know, Artemis is my boo and that's like my boo. But obviously, one of my favorite things about goddesses is that you can have and I know Kelly likes the monotheist idea, but I love the idea that you can have many depending on your mood. Um, and so that's kind of interesting that I picked Lilith first. I don't remember why I was just like, this has to be the person I have to talk about or the goddess or the being or whatever. And then the other thing that you said about Lilith and Eve, I've actually, no matter how many times I've talked about them, I've never thought about them in the way that you just said in this sort of dual nature. I've always thought of like the virgin and horror complex, like Eve and Mary, you know, that kind of stuff. But even Lilith as a sisterhood that was wounded, oof, that's powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Powerful. Yep.
0: Just to clarify, <laughs> yes, I am a goddess monotheist. <laughs> yes, I am a goddess monotheist, but I also work with, worship, talk to multiple goddesses throughout history, throughout time, I have come to think, and part of the reason the podcast is called The Girlfriend God um, is because I have come to believe in what I call the Diamond God, which is that all of these other goddesses, Eleanor of the Ways, Artemis, Athena, Diana, uh, Hecate, you know, whoever it is that you are called to work with, they are all individual entities, but they're all facets of the one. So just to clarify, Carla knows that's my belief, but I hadn't talked to you about that yet, Manette, because yeah, I'm probably in a very different spiritual place than I was the last time you and I talked. So,
1: but isn't that beautiful? Like that evolution that we see in ourselves. That's mm-hmm. why I never am like embarrassed or, Oh, I've learned something new. This has evolved because that's the freaking point. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, when I wrote the children's book, My Name is Lilith. I mean, I cringe now. I'm going to look at it so I can say it exactly like I wrote it. This, sh- this so shows the sisterhood wound in my dedication to my, of this book, I, I dedicated it to my husband and I said to Greg for embracing my Lilith nature and not wishing I were more of an Eve. Like ultimate dissing Eve, don't want anything to do with her.
2: Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah, I, I think yeah, I don't think we've ever thought about how we disassociate from Eve really or analyze that.
1: I was pushed into it. Um I have I don't know if y'all are familiar with Patricia Lynn Riley. She's a feminist theologian. Um, she's been writing for decades and she is the lead faculty at Woman Spirit Reclamation. She's written um some of the most profound books I've ever read when I was in graduate school. I read Her, I would say her seminal book, A God Who Looks Like Me, it was put out by one of the, you know, big publishers. But Patricia um, teaches on our platform and she also is really big on not just regurgitating, even though she could, you know, just keep talking about that work she did 20, 30 years ago. She always wants to process new things and she's been processing Eve and we just published and we did it in ebook form and we're working on getting it in an actual printed form. Um, Eve, our mythic mother, exposing the lies of patriarchy. And Patricia really dove into that and showed that patriarchy as we know it could not exist had there not been at the very beginning of our mythology in the Western world a woman who could not be trusted and was at fault and all the things was secondary, everything that myth tells us um, it had to happen or we wouldn't accept what patriarchy gives us. Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what I teach my students. I mean, I teach it maybe from a different, I approach it different way. I say this was politically designed to destroy the power of women. I always ask my students, when we do Adam and Eve, or we do Genesis 1 and 2, or even 3 and 4, I'd be like, who's afraid of snakes in here? And it's always women. Sometimes there's men. I should, you know, there's there's some. And so I, it always breaks my heart. And I say to them, like, the very symbol of power, the very symbol of knowledge and protection, whatever, they have managed to make us afraid of our own. So this is really actually a metaphor for the fact that women are afraid of their own power.
1: Oh, and men are afraid of women's power which is why and men, men are, are afraid, afraid of women's snake. power everyone's yes. afraid of women's power
2: yes
0: yes i was i was watching there's a comedian who i really like named whitney cummings mm, and, yeah uh, have, have you seen her carla yes yeah <laughs> she has that bit about you know remember when they told you that men like strong powerful <laughs> ambitious women no they don't <laughs> <laughs> and she said if you go to any porn website and the categories on the side they' you know what they want is Asian virginals schoolgirls bound and gagged there's no CEO category <laughs> <laughs> Like men aren't being, you know, men aren't like, oh yeah, get that promotion, baby. You know what I mean? mean? It's it's just not how it is. Yeah, yeah, it's just not how it is. And uh, you know, what's interesting to me is, so I feel like I have this kind of unique standpoint as a, you know, as an out lesbian and have been for more than half of my life. Um. So for me, this that sisterhood wound is is a little different you know what I mean because I'm capable of leering or objectifying or you know what I mean like I try not to be that because I love women I mean I love all women like I just really deeply love women not always in a romantic set, or in a romantic sense or in a sexual sense I just really love women. Um, but sometimes I find myself on, you know, leaning towards that masculine theme. energy.
2: Yes. Right?
0: Um, yeah, um, yeah. So that's been really difficult for me because I see how my heterosexual women friends do what you talked about to each other, right? They're pitted against mm-hmm. each other especially in academia because there's competition and people want tenure and you know what I mean mm-hmm. um and the only way I mean and that's a general problem in our culture to begin with right the yeah. only way to get ahead is to step on somebody else um, right. but I see that more with the women I know in academia than I do in other professions yeah Does that make sense. I see it
1: I see it almost everywhere um yeah. I think that it stems from the fact that because of where we are and you know evolving away from patriarchy which is not that far yet there's still a limited number of seats for women and we know like even if we don't want to know that there's a limited capacity for women to be in leadership so it sets us up in that way and i think i try to be really intentional even if i feel a little um scarcity like blooming inside of me i'll feel like no, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and post that because I like what that woman's doing and I trust that there's enough for all of us. So yes. I think we have to undo it with little things like our social media, as much as we were complaining about that earlier, you know, we can support yes. other women doing good work without lessening what we are bringing. And every time we do that, we like bring the sisterhood back together.
2: Right. Yes. Yes. And we expand, we take up space because I think the reason why there's scarcity is because the spaces are in in masculine spaces, Mm -hmm. right? So they make space for us. And for me lately, I know Kelly knows, I've been very much just wanting to be in spaces of women. And if there are no spaces of women, I'm going to make them. Just, you know, I'm just gonna make them. So I make goddess reads book clubs and I make goddess whatever, and I'm gonna build this temple and I'm gonna have not that men are excluded. Uh I don't want to exclude anyone because everyone's welcome, but that like I'm I feel like I'm pushing. So like we need to take up space, and then there is there is enough space for us. Um, you know. So yeah, yeah. I don't it, know where I'm going with that. Way.
0: It's kind of like, Carla, when you were talking just now, I was thinking, it, it's kind of like, um, so, you know, I grew up gay in the 80s, wasn't like it is today, right? And, uh, you know, homophobia largely stemmed from ideas like like, why do you have to have a parade? Why do you have to announce it to the world? We don't do that. And I think, yes, you do. yes you do every time you walk through the park holding your wife's hand with holding your son's hand with the other hand you Mm -hmm. are announcing your heterosexuality right so i think when men push back against women's spaces it's the same thing right like why do you need that Mm -hmm. we do we need that yeah we do we need that you know when gay bars were more actually gay bars and gays and lesbians than they are now, which is, you know, kind of anything goes, which is fine. I mean, that's progress, right? Um, But there was always that argument with my straight friends, right? Like, why do you have to have a place? Why are we not allowed? Mm -hmm. Because you're not one of us, right? So that's what I say to men. Yes, we all have uh, male and female divinity within us but you're not one of us. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. The goddess love you. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Right. We have dealt with that um, very recently on our platform because, you know, we host classes and circles and experiences for women, very clearly for women. And we were doing a recent class called this. I believe where we interrogated our own beliefs, deconstructed, reconstructed, looked at different things, and it was very uh, like a co-creative space but Patricia and Riley did teach it and facilitate it and some of the videos she brought in for us to watch were done by men and um when i was watching them i was just having a reaction like like carla was saying about no like So I, and unfortunately I was traveling, so I didn't watch it until like pretty close to the class. And I just called Patricia and said, Oh, I'm having a reaction to this. What can we do? And so we just said, we're just going to acknowledge it. Like, Hey, we're going to show a video. It's a man talking. If you're really uncomfortable, like raise your hand and we'll stop it. Um, and then we queried the community and said, do you want men's voices in these circles or do you not? Like, is it, does it triggering for you? And we, Decided we want it to be a woman's space for women's voices. If there's a really good reason, like we really can't find anything else, we'll try to do it in an article or something that you can read. So you don't have to have the presence of the male. Right. Um, and I think that I've had this conversation with a lot of people, um, kind of to what you were saying, Kelly, about yes, we all have the divine feminine and the divine masculine, but because of where we have been in the past thousand years of our history, if you think of it like a pendulum, I personally have to swing back to reading women, listening women, all those things until it can come back. It's like spiritual bypassing. If you're like, well, we're here, just go there. Everyone like, forget about that way. That doesn't (laughs) work for me. Um,
2: Yeah. yeah. Ooh, I feel everything you're saying because I've been, and actually I feel a bit guilty, which is again, sort of patriarchal Mm -hmm. indoctrination to say like I would just like like I want to build a temple at in this property and that temple for sure will be for women only because I just wanted to have a feminine energy and a feminine vibe I don't know you know what you know it's it's Mm -hmm. in the ether it's in the air and I also want a safe space um just a safe space you know not that women are going to harm us in the space but it's not about that it's about sort of I guess coming out of your shell and, and women need spaces to voice their voice, you know? Um, and I think we're moving more and more. Like I'm having this conversation with many people and many women and they're all feeling like, yeah, I need a space like that.
0: Mm-hmm. I need, you know, so yeah, we do. It gets, it gets very, I mean, things like that, it, it gets really sticky in the LGBTQ plus mm-hmm. community like look at the mm-hmm. I mean when they wouldn't allow pre- or post-op transsexual women and in the Michigan Women's Festival I mean it was like fucking World War III like there was mm-hmm. outrage and conferences and meetings and votes and you know what I mean I mean it was a big deal Yeah. and I from where I sit like I can see both sides of that right yeah me too um, but they, you know, I mean, they stuck to their guns. I mean, I haven't read anything about it in a long time. I don't know what they're doing now or who they're letting in or, or not letting in. Mm. But, um, but, you know, several years ago that became a big thing and it was depending upon what news you read, right? If you read the kind of news that I read, it was fucking everywhere. It yeah. was like 24 mm-hmm. seven talking heads about the yeah. Michigan women's festival.
2: Yeah. So,
0: um, yeah.
2: That's interesting yeah. because that reminds me of when we played roller derby, when I played roller derby for many years and um, roller derby was initially a women's thing, a women's league, and it was all women and, you know, lots of lesbian women, bisexual women, all, all the genders, but men started playing roller derby. Um, I don't know, maybe five years into when I was playing men started creating their leagues, which is fine. You know, you know we don't have a monopoly over it. And then the question came, Should we do co-eds or can the men come to practice with us? And a lot of the women on my team were like, no, because first of all, I don't want a man hitting me. A lot of them would be triggered by that. And I come here to get away from the men in my life, but also like hit people. I don't know. It's a safe space for me to be (laughs) aggressive, to be masculine, but without men. And that, again, like you say, Kelly, that was a huge debate um I like playing with men because I like hitting people as hard as possible but I understood that because it's like I also felt like I finally found a place where there's no men you know for three hours three times a week you know I was on I was on lots of teams it was a big part of my life for a long time um I got to spend time we would travel you know all women all women all women all the time and it was really fun it was really unique so I can see why some people are like, "No, like we don't we don't want to hurt your feelings, but really, this is my safe space, and I just i don't I don't want that bleeding into this, yeah. you know right
0: and 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 I see that across a spectrum of age ranges, too, right? Like it's usually the younger people who are and it's a good thing that they want to be all inclusive. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. but but because they're young, they haven't yeah. lived in history, yeah, but you and I. Have lived. And yeah. I'll tell you, I, so, you know, I've been on this search for other goddess worshipers and goddess monotheists and what, and Philianists and Dianists. And, you know, I, so I found this little nest of, <laughs> of Philianists and Dianists on Discord. And I can imagine the discussions that they have had about whether it are we open to having men as part of this you know this goddess worshiping community that we've built and there's definitely discord there uh there's discord on discord um yeah (laughs) there's discord on the discord server (laughs) um but, you know, it, and things like that are challenging because, I mean, this is just a really good example, right? Like, I see this group of people that I'm now interacting with as the future of that religion, right? Mm-hmm. But if they're so comfortable in their group that they don't really, you know what I mean? They're afraid that if they try and push that agenda forward, not all of them, but some of them are afraid if they if they push that agenda forward, then you know it's gonna break into you know to different paths and different traditions and they're gonna lose the orthodoxy of their original religion. Mm-hmm. And I think, but that is how religion, a religion grows. Yeah. You can't grow a religion and not have conflict, right? There's gonna be conflict. That was kind of a tangent about a totally different topic, but it's where I've yeah. been at lately. I'm like, you know, neck deep and philianists and what I can and can't say in the Discord chat. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh huh. One of the interesting things at woman spirit reclamation is that we have in almost every group, we have ages ranging from 20 something to 80 something, which wow. you don't get a lot. Groups tend to be a little more, you know, homogenous, like, oh, I'm the new moms and I'm the empty nesters or I, whatever they decide they are. Um right. And we really have everybody, so we get to hear all the different voices from the different generations and the different perspectives. Um, So that's interesting. And um, I wanted to remember to go back to this. I kind of blew by it, but it might like kind of refocus us a little bit. I brought a quote that I think is super helpful. I'm sure y'all have read Gerda Lerner's The Creation of Patriarchy. Yes. Um she gives kind of a little four-piece set of advice on how because we talk about well, you know, you've got to take the patriarchy apart, deconstruct. How do you do that? How do you see it without that lens that's like the water, you know, that we're swimming in. Yeah. And if you don't mind, I'm just going to read this to us because I think it is a great um tool for us to use and it mm-hmm. stood the test of time clearly. So this is Gerda Lerner, and she says to step outside of patriarchal thought means number one, being skeptical toward every known system of thought, being critical of all assumptions, ordering values, and definitions. Three, or two, testing one's statement by trusting our own, the female experience since such experience has usually been trivialized ignored it means overcoming this is number 3 overcoming the deep seated resistance within ourselves toward accepting ourselves and our knowledge as valid and number 4 it means getting rid of the great men i should say great men in air quotes in our heads and substituting for them ourselves our sisters and our anonymous foremothers. So I love that so much. And if you apply it to what we're talking about with like what we've done with Eve, which is like the newest learning for me, is um, I took at face value everything they said about her. Oh, she was the weak one. She was tempted. I never thought about an alternative narrative where... She was really brave and she knew like intuitively in her body that that apple was good. And she trusted the snake who was not actually scary. It was her friend, her wise advisor, like this whole other thing that is true and feels truer in my body. Um, But I didn't see it. I didn't interrogate. So I just love that Gerda Lerna lays out some guidelines for us to do that. Yeah.
0: I was thinking while you were talking, Minette, while you were reading that quote, I was thinking about um, in the movie version of Hedwig and the Angry Inch. I don't know if you've ever seen it or not. If you haven't, you should. Oh my God, Carlo, you'll love it. Uh, (laughs) It was originally a play and it's about this. It's very funny. It's about this kind of punk rock band and they, the lead singer uh, is Hedwig and Hedwig had a uh how do I want to say that a botched surgery and so he doesn't have a vagina or a penis he's left with this angry inch that's the name of the movie oh um, okay and so they spend their time like they're touring and they play in like these little cafes that are like they're like Panera's or whatever so you've it's very, very funny. I don't want to give away too much of the movie, but in the movie, they're so they're shadowing the tour of this much more successful musician named Tommy Nassus. And Tommy Nassis and Hedwig had a relationship. And so like the songs that he sings and all that are things that they wrote together. And so there's this whole kind of love, conflict, drama underneath it all, uh, in addition to the story of Hedwig. And when he meets Tommy Gnosis. He's, you know, like a Bible thumping choir boy, good little Christian. And when they get together, there's this wonderful scene where he talks about the Garden of Eden, where Mm -hmm. Tommy talks about the Garden of Eden. And I'm paraphrasing, but he says something like, you know, so Eve bit the apple and was expelled from the Garden of Eden, but Eve just wanted to know shit. That's
1: what he says. That's what yeah. I was thinking about, just while you were talking. Eve just right? to know shit. <laughs> yes, it's the whole um listening to what the story really says to us with Lilith or Eve. I mean, Lilith also was demonized. We have just chosen to reclaim her because she's a badass. Like that's you know, from the get-go. Right. Um, but I just lost my train of thought. There was something I was going to say about how Oh, it's the story um if you break it down like he did in the movie she just wanted to have like control over her own life and she just left the garden. Like that's it. Like yeah. no reason to demonize her for that. She yeah. just took care of herself and she just said, "This is what I want. This is what I need." And like, what a scary thing for patriarchy if women start saying, this is what I want. This is what I need. I'm going to leave if I don't get it. Yeah. And that's all. Yep.
2: Yep. Yeah, in fact, yeah, they were both more alike, actually, than not, to be fair. Right? Because they both had agency, in a sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, Lilith is definitely a rougher version because she's more in your face. But Eve... Doesn't, you know, when I read that passage, like I do that passage with my students all the time because of course there's no temptation. There's nothing, right? He's standing right there the whole time that the snake is speaking to them. And so she turns around and gives him the apple and he takes it and he eats it. He doesn't even question. I always say to my students, because Adam is such a douche.
0: I always <laughs> say, like,
2: I'm always like... Why didn't Adam go, hey, Eve, like, you know, like God said, no, dude, right. like, go ahead. But like, I'm not going to, uh, you know, because I'm this fantastic dude that listens to God. Why doesn't he say mm-hmm. no? You know, And right. I think he'm told that she tempts him, but she doesn't tempt him because he doesn't understand nakedness until after he eats, right? We, we, mm-hmm. We're to assume they don't even really have sex until after he eats. We don't know. We, there's no there's no scene that tells us, you know? Yeah. And so I find that, uh, but she doesn't ask him, she doesn't go, Adam, should I, you know, she just looks at the fruit, sees that it's mm-hmm. good, takes it and eats it. She's like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Exactly. what You said I want to know. That's it. I just want to know. Yeah. And
1: Eve and Lilith were both punished, um, by religion for their choices. Yes. So back to the more the same and with the apple, one way that we have reclaimed that really powerfully is we do an apple communion pretty regularly on the platform and everyone brings an apple and we all just acknowledge the essential goodness of women. And at the end, we all bite the apple. And if we were doing it off of Zoom, you know, we would take a bite and pass it, but we're on Zoom. So we're each biting our own apple.
2: Right, right, right.
0: Okay. And we're back. Okay. And you can't hear the dogs or the people walking on my roof cleaning the gutters, right? No. No. Okay. You're good. Um. So where were we? Oh, good question. <laughs> Eve just wants to know. That's right. Eve just wants to know shit. Right. That's right.
2: Mm-hmm. That's
0: right. hmm So how do we... There's two things I want to ask. One is, and Carlin, and I have talked about this before, Minette, do you get the sense that there is a turning of the tide back to, like globally, a turning of the tide back to a goddess-focused, matrifocal, matrilineal? Uh, do you see that desire for that turning the tide? I guess that's the question.
1: I do. I do. I think we're um not far into it. I think it's starting starting to turn and I think it's a combination of um what we've been missing spiritually and what our earth has been missing. I think people are starting to connect the two and see that focusing on the masculine and everything that falls under that with productivity and extraction and you know taking as much as we can is really actually not sustainable, um, for life on this planet. And that might be that connection might be what we need to say. Yeah. And maybe there's some spiritual things we've been missing as well, because, you know, matter and mother both come from the same root.
2: Um, so yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. I, I feel that that's true too, mm-hmm. in the sense that I'm seeing it everywhere. And, I don't know if it's me, you know, I don't know if it's, I'm, I'm turning to face it as well. So I've spent mm-hmm. m- most of my life in academia, entrenched in academia. I actually just had a discussion today in my book club group on Facebook about, cause I'm, I posted this article and actually somebody just commented exactly what I want to say. I posted this article. Uh, that's kind of uh, challenging mother goddess culture. Unfortunately, it's also written by a woman, <laughs> but I, you know, I, I, I Oh, how do I say this? I'm open to everyone's opinion and discussion, Mm -hmm. right? So you have every right to have your thoughts, your your work, your research. But what I'm finding and what I found as an academic is this sort of sweeping under the rug of anything that's goddess sent. The minute we go goddess culture, before women had power, before women had knowledge, people go, well, you don't know that. You just kind of make it. Oh, there's there's a large breasted, female figurine with big hips it's not a goddess it's not like a mother power it's probably just a toy you know or something like that right Mm -hmm. they do this thing and they dismiss it and I don't know why this particular time it got under my skin to the point where it's like uh, now I see it as as dismissing our power and discouraging further research right uh, when I was younger, I thought, oh, okay, maybe it's not as scientific or, okay, we have to take everyone's in- opinions and in considerations. That includes the men. And I think what you said today is is resonating with me in the sense of, and what you read from Gerda Lerner, mm-hmm. which I read too, is like, you know, the answer, you can feel the answer. You have to trust that intuition along with your research, but you have to trust that. Um, yes. And that's discouraged.
1: Yeah, I think what we're seeing when we pick up these little known archetypes, these ancient goddesses, um, it's a different story, but it is not less than, it is not less legitimate than, it is just not the one that was told because the people would have told it, who would have told it, were not allowed to. That's right. Um, I often wonder, you know, I have such a passion and a calling for bringing forth like these voices that were lost. And I was just telling my husband, I think yesterday, I'm like, wonder what kind of life I lived before this, like in a previous life, because I haven't really been denied personally a lot in this life, but oh my goodness, I have a fire for that. So I must've had lots to say in previous lives and books to write and no one would let me. I just have to think that.
2: Yes.
0: Well, yes. well, Manette. Between the last time we spoke and now, I became certified in June modalities, and I'm a past life regression hypnotist. Uh, and I can do it on Zoom. So if you want to do that sometime, just shoot me an email, and I can make that happen.
2: Yeah. I of
0: course want to do that for you too, Carla. People are always afraid. They're like, I, I don't know I
2: don't what I'm going gonna... to be hypnotized. That's my <laughs> only. To be honest, because I don't know. you I, Apparently, you have to take it seriously, and I don't know that I can. Like you know, uh, just to be honest, and I don't want you to feel some way, you know, Kelly. Like Carla's such a bitch. Like you know, uh,
0: <laughs> I, I, have, I have hypnotized a lot of people, including people that said they couldn't be hypnotized. Okay. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. You could always I, try, I'm, and if not, well, you know, we'll have a good laugh about it. Be like, yeah, I to you know. Be like, yeah, that was a failed experiment. You <laughs> know.
2: that'll Um, be a nice episode trying to hypnotize carla you know
0: (laughs) that's right i could do it live you could
2: i did that i did that um a birth chart with rachel that you recommended kelly Mm -hmm. and she had read in a piece of it something to do with venus i can't remember because it is a bit of a science and she's but what it really meant what she said to me is uh you were a woman for many past lives and i i thought yeah that fits because I'm always, even when I had my daughter and even when I talk to her now, I'm always like, "I love this body, I want to be in this body." And I don't mean like this body, but I mean the feminine of it, the womanness of it. you know, and maybe that's why I get irked with some people that I get that in the past women were used, and maybe even today, obviously today with Roe versus Wade, for their reproductive mm-hmm, powers. Um, And so there's a lot of feminists that are pushing against that, that we are not just reproductive bodies. So I get that, but there is power in that, that also gets swept away. And that's the Yes. There is so much of ferreting out
1: what is powerful about women from what parts of that have been forced on us. We just had. Last month, Sarah Robinson speak, and she's written this beautiful book called Kitchen Witch," which is part folklore, part fairy tale. It's beautiful, and what kept coming up in our conversation is, yes, women have an innate ability for like nurturing and magic in the kitchen and all those things, but like what if that wasn't your jam, and that was the only thing you were allowed to do? so it's this holding that tension of yes, I'm a witch, and I can do magic. But I can also do all these other things that it's it's messy. Yeah, it always is.
2: because Really, it's because of the hierarchy of patriarchy. Yeah, because I don't think that if we go back pre patriarchy, there would be any hindrances because we didn't have these uh, these roles put upon Mm us or these uh, restrictions put upon us. And so you could be anything you wanted and you still held the power of all the things within you.
1: Exactly. It's choice, right? It's choosing it instead of it being foisted upon you. Yeah. And one thing I was thinking of, I think when Kelly was talking a few minutes ago, because I love talking about things that are in process instead of things that I've already figured out. And when we talk about the goddess movement and what comes up when we start discussing that, the thing that's coming up for me lately is how do we do this? Matriarchal goddess thing without putting it in the system, the only system that we've known, which is like money. I have to say, I struggle a lot with that because everyone that I look to who's doing something like this, you know, I don't know, it, it's like, oh, you have to do high ticket and make it big and do this and do that. And I'm like, no, that's just more of the same that's you know you can't dismantle the master's house with the master's tools a la audrey lord
0: um
1: and so i want to figure out like how do we do this um this new goddess awareness feminine power without hierarchical money equals power but and here's the both and but value ourselves and do make a living off of doing this work. So it's, there's a lot.
0: Yeah. You know that's it. a, that's a complicated yeah, I process. I mean, mm-hmm. I was just talking So Carla and I went through this five day uh, workshop online hosted by Flora Ware. And after that, I, all the women that we heard during that workshop, I went to their websites and looked at their lists of services and I cannot afford, you know, $3500 for a spiritual mentor, right? or a teacher. Um but on the same hand, you know, on the other hand, like Carlos said to me, you know, this is their livelihood and to do it for a living So I I don't know. I mean, I think for me, the solution is to have a combination of both that that's empowering women Mm -hmm. financially, but then people that are more on the spiritual side of things and not offering services. Like I'm not currently offering any services. I'm just doing the podcast Mm -hmm. Um, and the podcast isn't monetized and the TikTok and Instagram channels aren't monetized and the forthcoming YouTube channel isn't monetized. So I don't know. I think we need more of me. <laughs> yeah. Or more, or more me's, or or more, more people that are doing it not for financial yeah.
1: gain that they're
0: that they're financially secure enough that they can. Yeah. Do oh my god! It. That's I mean, exactly, I, I mean, yeah. I'm in a unique position, right? I mean, I was forced into early retirement because I have a disability, so that's unfortunate. But it's given me the time that I have mm-hmm. to not just to start the podcast, but starting the podcast was a definitive calling from the goddess that this is something I needed to do. And if I was still working a 40 hour a week job, I would not have had that revelation Mm -hmm. because not working has allowed me the luxury of spending lots and lots and lots of time in prayer and meditation. Yeah. So also to that point, like I was talking about the Philianists earlier, I think religions and spiritual systems like that, moving forward into the world moving out of the shadow of a discord channel into you know mainstream topic discussions at least the mainstream that the three of us belong to right Mm -hmm. i mean we consume a lot of you know women creators and spiritual themes and goddess centered stuff um but i also think this is what i the point i wanted to make earlier i believe that yes, that shift is happening back in that direct that the pendulum mm-hmm. is swinging back in that direction, but I also don't see that happening in our lifetime. Mm. Mm. No, uh, <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. Well, oh. I've said this before, right? I'm kind of a fatalist about it, right? Like no. I'm pretty sure. I mean
2: that the I get what you're saying. Is- it's it's a long process, and and right. you know. Where, and, where, and I
0: think that she's, you know, she's done with this version of us. Because for all we know, we're like human ver- version, you know, 2.8,764. You know what I mean? We don't know. Right, so yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure that she's ready to, like, wipe us off the board and start over again.
2: No, and I, no, and no. I think
0: that she's done that several times throughout all these millennia and... I think that every time she does, she, like, goes over her notes and, and says, okay, like, you know, next time, okay, commerce, maybe not such a good idea. You know, capitalism, maybe we won't do that this time. Mm, Men, yeah. maybe I won't create those this time. Right. Right. Maybe they're, maybe I'll introduce them later and their sole purpose will be to procreate with all these women and that's yeah. their only function yeah right I mean we don't know we don't know what yeah. the next
2: I, I think I think you like. guys bring up a good point so I was talking to Kelly about the same thing this after the same seminar blah blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had said to her you know my my goal with the center is to kind of build a commune I think for women it has to be communal for me exactly if, if yeah. I'm if I'm making it it has to be communal and it has to be spiral not circular but spiral and why i say spiral is because i believe in elders Mm -hmm. right and i believe in the need for like crone energy and and maiden energy and all that so when you say circular to me it feels a bit flat and -hmm. so then everyone is equal which is a great utopian idea but doesn't always work when you're building something and you're moving towards somebody has to take the lead for some things Mm -hmm. and so i like the concept of a spiral you know, because it has the circular motion. It's not quite a hierarchy, like a, like a pyramid. There's smooth edges. Anyways, it's a big symbolism thing. Mm-hmm. But I do think that somebody has to have the financial hmm, sport, support or funding to create the space. And then I think we have to have a mix of those who can do and yeah. those who can't paint or cook or sculpt or sing. And contribute in that way you know um but I think that's the exciting part we get to make yeah. it now and why can't we we'll we'll take some we'll take some stuff from patriarchy like yeah. we'll take some pieces like investing and teaching women one of my biggest things mm-hmm. because I've financially learned myself I come from an immigrant family that was always like work save work that's it so I had to like teach myself about stocks, teach myself about investments mm-hmm. in my late, late years. And I have so many friends around me that I'm like, oh man, if you could just let me give you some advice about money. Women, we're good mm-hmm. with money, but you know, again, we're we're in this bubble of like, are you good with money? Do you know what you're doing? Oh, do you want to go shopping? All oh, this, there's all this stuff. Right. You know? Um I mean my mother used to have friends that never even knew what was in the bank account and didn't know yeah. how to go to a bank machine and anyway that may be another podcast for another day but yeah. so I think that there are pieces we can take but um right but a lot of it will have to also be voluntary value like there has to be other value rather than just monetary and that that
1: is actually um what I'm seeing as I grow this community um And it's felt very magical to me and mystical. And um, my husband is a very financial. In fact, right before I got on this podcast, he sent me like he went in and did a profit and loss thing for like the last year and said, let's discuss. And I was like, "Okay, Um, right. But I haven't planned it. I haven't had projections. I just let it evolve. And people have. As you said, Carly, have stepped up and said, I want to teach this. I'd like to do that. And if anyone comes to me and says, I really need this, but this is what I can pay, then that's what they will pay. I agree. Um, and you just have to trust instead of being able to project with factual numbers and data, you just have to trust. And so many beautiful things. In fact, we should put in the show notes, um, one of my members in my community has her own foundation that does work globally and she took our class on eve the one based on patricia's new work and afterwards she came to us and said we want to produce an animated video using part of the book as the script and would you two consult on it and so patricia and i consulted they budgeted the whole huge budget for this animated short and amazing. it was a co-production of Woman Spirit Reclamation and The Girl Child and Her Long Walk to Freedom, which is Emily's project. Um, and it tells the story of Eve, like your listeners have, it's like seven minutes and it tells how her story was taken, twisted, what it does to us today. And it ends with the apple communion with all of the women in the circle biting the apple. Amazing. It is Amazing.
0: Can you um, can you post a link for us in the chat? I think I can. Um, <laughs> I have a hard time talking. Like I'm afraid, I'm
1: afraid I will lose you if I start poking around on my computer.
0: Understood. But just email, I'll just send email. it to you.
1: I'm going to make myself a note.
0: Yeah, just send it to me, and I because you know this isn't going to post till yeah. I announced today that my season premiere is now. Not in January, but February fourth, which is the first Saturday in February, which is fine. Yeah, We're okay. Fine. It's not at like least my, you're
2: doing the work. I haven't even started mine yet.
0: I it's not like my <laughs> ten listeners are gonna abandon me because I pushed it back a week, you know? That's right. Um, That's right. but I but I think you're right. I mean, back to this, like we need uh financially successful female philanthropists. Yes. So, Yes. Right. Who are willing to invest in our Mm
2: -hmm.
0: communities and are because our work is valuable. Yes, it's valuable.
2: Yes. You know, now that and that that, now that you say that I have a a student I'm mentoring. So I do this mentorship program. So uh, actually, Kelly helped me with the idea as well uh, with like what. uh, So I know what I'm calling myself based on our last episode. I'm I'm a goddess reconstructionist.
1: Oh, I love that
2: or consultant. OK, so
0: basically,
2: it's fancy, right? It's cool. But basically what I'm doing is for people who run spiritual retreats or, or just know the spiritual part, if they want to learn like the history, the academic part, mm-hmm. uh, then what I'm giving them. And so far, they've been approaching me saying, hey, Carla, can you teach me about this goddess or about this history? Because I'm doing a retreat in six months on this. And so this one young woman that came, she's doing a retreat in the summer, too. And, uh, so I'm doing, I, so I make, I'm like, I make it like they I customize their program and then I give them homework and then we meet and we have a great time. And, you know, uh, and, and so I, I call it mentorship. I guess it is mentorship. So then they feel confident that they now they have the history, plus they have their own spiritual connection or whatever they want to do. Cause that's one of my little pet peeves is, uh, getting the goddesses right in a way, like just, at least historically, like I, 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 I have feelings <laughs> about mixing goddesses. Mm-hmm. I have feelings about just stuff, you know, but anyways, I, I give them what I can and they go on, but sorry, that's a long story to say that I've seen her and I've seen a few, of a few others that I'm, that I know that are starting to do a sliding scale mm-hmm. contribution for the retreats. And a lot of them have done like a little, let's say, Instagram speech about it and why they want to do that. Mm-hmm. And the number one thing has been accessibility. Yep. And I'm, I am I'm, I I see, like, so this is part of the pendulum, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. the fact that I think when one starts doing it, everyone kind of starts doing it, everyone starts considering it. And that's like, that's an amazing, that's like backwards camp- capitalism in a way.
1: It is. Right. It's, it's radical in- trust. Right. Yeah. Right.
2: right? Well, so they're like, I'm- I used to offer this for 1300. Now I'm going to offer it for free or a sliding scale because we all do have to eat. Right. But, you know, whatever you can do. And I was like, I saw the first one. Then I saw another one and I was like, oh, this is becoming a trend. And it's very exciting. I'm
1: looking into it. At our next team meeting, I told them I was going to research. I think Charles Eisenstein has written a lot about the gift economy. Um, Yes. Yes. So.
0: Yes. yes. It's all about paying it forward and all of that. Because we all know that there are wealthy, spiritual, goddess-centered women in the world. So I'm sure that we will come to discover, you know, our feminine divine jeff bezos and our feminine divine elon musk or whoever you know um and because it is a spiritual process and and that's what uh that's what i like so much about what the what the girlfriend god podcast has become Mm -hmm. and my tagline you know my description is now bringing you an equal mix of academic research and emotional Mm -hmm. spiritual experience because yeah my life has to have both
2: Mm -hmm.
0: yeah because if i really want to get into a spirituality you know not only in a culture where where we're now very careful about cultural appropriation but i mm-hmm. want to make sure i'm doing it right
1: yeah,
0: yeah. you know what i mean if there's mm-hmm. a if there's a, a a ritual that was done in ancient greece i want to know that i want to know that i that yeah. was my that's kind of why i turned away from the witchcraft and pagan community because no one was talking about the history of the gods and goddesses that they were working with and i think how can you work with that god or goddess mm-hmm. if you don't know anything about their their history okay. i told carla she should market herself as the uh academic spiritual consultant <laughs>
2: yeah i know it just doesn't sound right though
0: yeah, because yeah, that's
2: what I do. Basically, that's what yeah. I do. That's what I would like to do. I just never phrased it because I never thought of it phrasing it that way. But that's been my thing. It's like every time yeah. somebody, I'm like, yeah, I agree. We can explore. But also there's a lot of work that we don't know. And yeah. there's a lot of things we haven't been taught
0: and right. that was my thing
2: with Artemis. I mean, when I wrote this book, I published it myself mm-hmm. because I wanted to write it how I wanted to write it. Everywhere I went, people were like, well, you can do this and you can do this and it would fit better in our category of classics here. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Right. Like, I don't mind a bit of editing, but yeah. then shaping my book Yeah. and and Artemis really, because all I'm doing is I'm pulling primary source and showing it to everyday people uh mm-hmm. you know that's not it you know, doesn't need to be too much shaved, but anyway so what I really liked about that is this idea of people love Artemis and I thought that she was really unknown but people seem to have come out of the woodwork for her which I love and I'm living mm-hmm. for um but also like do you know all these things about her that you're never taught and that's really my thing that's my kind of like or all the goddesses like there were pre-greek situations mm-hmm. and rituals and How does that empower us as women to know we were so powerful? Like, yes. And we had so much respect and we had so much community, you know, I think
1: it's all, I always say I'm an excavator because I feel like it's all there and I just go back and uncover it. And like you said, bring it forth. Um, I just got back in September. I did a pilgrimage in Scotland my son happens to be going to school. He just started at St. Andrews. And I was like, well, if I'm over in Scotland, I'm going to pilgrimage. So I went out to the Isle of Mull and stayed for a week. And a friend of mine joined me and it was so powerful. Um, We really looked for the stories beneath the stories, like on the Isle of Iona, which unfortunately is now best known for its Christian monastery and you know the cradle of Christianity in the west and blah 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 but like it had this whole history before that of being sacred and being a thin place and having you know energy centers so we really researched that and when we went to Iona it was hilarious cuz we get off the ferry and everyone goes to like what you're supposed to see first and we're like veering off to the nunnery in search of the Sheila in a gig that we knew was there somewhere. And we're running around, like looking at all the windows and looking at all the doors. And then one of <laughs> our friend who we were with, she was our Airbnb host, but she's like a dear friend now. She did everything with us. She sticks her head through this window under Sheila in a gig, you know, oh, no. lights played. She's like, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is excavating at its finest. Yeah. Yeah. And it, when you get into the appropriation thing, it was really aligned because m- all of my history is in that general area, Monica's history in that general area. So it's not like I'm going to Peru and yes. delving into this very interesting spiritual culture, but it was very aligned with the cells in my body. Yes. Right. Yes. Yes. Right.
0: Because our, yeah. our, our internal landscape is so much um, a, a part of the picture. Uh Um, I'm going to try and bring us back a little bit and and ask (laughs) Matt what else you wanted to tell us uh, specifically about Eve. Yes. And about Lilith. I love you guys. I'm so glad (laughs) you're here.
1: (laughs) All right. Since I am now a co-host, I can share screen and this will bring us back. This is a really powerful kind of a manifesto of reclaiming Eve, Lilith and Mary in this new outside of patriarchal ways. So let me share here. Uh, It's going to be a mess at first because who knows what you're going to see.
0: This is what I want. Oh, I recognize that. I reposted it on Instagram.
1: (laughs) There you go. So this, um, Patricia Lynn Riley wrote this. This was somewhere in her Eve book, Mm -hmm. but it really works well as a standalone because if you just have a few minutes, you can read it and be like, oh yeah, you just feel like you've done a little interior excavation. So I'll just read this to us.
0: I was Mm going to say, could you read it with that fiery energy that you always bring?
1: Absolutely, Kelly. (laughs) Okay, with Eve. We reject the dominance of a creation myth that portrays women as the instigators of evil and that it excludes the mother from the creation of the world. We reject the shame-based messages of family, religion, and society that stressed our wrongs, defects, and insufficiencies. We embrace a woman-affirming spirituality that celebrates the mother's intimate involvement in the origins of life and reminds us of our original goodness. And with Lilith, we reject the dominance of religious myths that exiled strong women and portrayed us as powerless victims. We reject the shame-based messaging of family, religion and society that emphasized our inability to function independently in our own lives. We embrace a woman-affirming spirituality that reminds us of our original power, courage, and independence. And with Mary, we reject the dominance of religious myths and theologies that exiled willful and sexually autonomous women. We reject the shame-based messages of family, religion, and society that require the surrender of our bodies and wills to the dictates of others, we embrace a woman-affirming spirituality that affirms our autonomy, willfulness, and erotic potential.
2: Beautiful. It's
0: right. like um, it's like a manifesto. Almost. It is right. a
1: manifesto. It is. You should have. Um, I'm just thinking of this because Marilyn Nyborg. I don't know if you're familiar with her. She co-founded um, Gather the Women back in the eighties, she's in her eighties now. And she's one of our members. And she's the one that was like, Monette, this is a manifesto. We need to get it out to everyone. So I'm working with Marilyn now to get this out as a manifesto. Um, yeah, I'm particularly thinking about, you know, we're entering, well, this won't be true when this airs, as we speak, we're entering the season that is around Christmas. We hear a lot about Mary. We hear a lot about Mary's story. And I just saw this morning on Instagram. um, I thought this was brilliant. It was a picture of Mary. And then it said, she fucking knew. Because, you know, there's that song, Mary, did you know? That your baby boy, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, she fucking knew. Yeah. Yeah. She was like a player here. You know, not just a vessel. Yes. Um, So, again, reframing.
0: I usually make it my duty around Christmas time to remind all the Christians that I know of the fact that they stole all these pagan holidays and what the tree is really about. Uh Did you
2: see that meme that's going around with the tree? And did you know that the tree is celebrating witches? There's a meme like that going around Mm -hmm. and everyone puts it up and started posting
0: I don't know if I'd go that far that it's celebrating <laughs> witches, but it is certainly a pagan tradition, and we call yeah. that Yule in the pagan world, and there's a lot of mythology there. I, I do the same thing around Easter. I'm like, did you ever ask yourself what Jesus had to do with the bunnies and the eggs? Right. No? Because it was a fucking fertility festival.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> One so, of the most... Oh, that, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, that's why I get frustrated, Manette, and and Carla hears me bitch about this all the time. That p- people are so—I mean, yes, it's great that they're embracing this new sense of spirituality, and people are leaving organized religion in droves. I think that's wonderful, but don't believe everything you read in a Google in in the in your Google search result returns. You know what I mean? You gotta you gotta go deeper. You have to. That's why I like Carla when you talked about the spiral. You mentioned the elders.
2: Yeah,
0: uh, and you know, acknowledging that, and you know, go to the go to the people that know. Yeah, go to the people that know because we don't know, right? I'm fit. I turned fifty this year. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the eighty year old witch knows. And I don't know right. what the seventy year old philanist philianist knows. Yeah. And, you know what I mean? I there's and always another- more.
1: That's how we turn, that's another way we turn patriarchy upside down is patriarchy values only women who embody youth and we can choose to bring in the voices, which I do all the time. I mean, I've already mentioned Patricia in her seventies, Marilyn in her eighties. Um, I value these voices and bring them through because we need to hear
2: them. There are wise women. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And again, that's that's that, that's a bit of my pet peeve with young scholar, young women scholars who throw out uh, older women scholars mm-hmm. because, oh, well, that's too old. That was 10, 20 years ago. Like Maria Gimbutas. Maria Gimbutas. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, this woman did proper archeological mm-hmm. work, classic archeological work. You're looking at a figurine, you're looking, I mean, she did a raw interpretation before all the layers that we've had to mm-hmm. go through. Her work has value still. Like, don't dismiss her work, and then think that oh, I can I can interpret the statue. Well, anybody can interpret the statue. Don't dismiss that work. So, I I think you're right. I think the one way that we we turn that spiral is by valuing elders again, right? Because in a capital Mm -hmm. society, once you can't work, you have no more value. Yep. Right. And so, you know, older people are pushed away or to the side or in the corner of a house Mm -hmm. or wherever. Where I think it, for us, if we are valuing that elder voice, the crone voice, which has been missing for quite some time, yes, um, there, is much to, there is much to learn and p- be passed down. I mean, people used to pass down their stories. They mm-hmm. didn't go, oh, my grandfather told the story, but I mean, he was an old dude, so nobody cares. Let's write a whole new story, right? Right.
0: Right, like
2: stories right. were passed from elders, you yes. know, because they were el- so. And it, it anyways, or, but I oral, think this
0: needs to go forward. Oral yeah. traditions have a remarkable mm-hmm. history, and there, mm-hmm. and there, and in many cultures, that oral tradition is still firmly in place, right? Yeah. Especially in spiritual paths that are closed traditions, yeah. Yeah. right? Because they want to keep it pure, and I think that's, I think that's wise. I think the fact that voodoo and hoodoo practitioners mm-hmm. aren't out here teaching us how to do everything is wise.
2: Yes. yes, is wise. You have to be an initi. You have to be initiated into right. the space. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. I was you know? also.
0: So I was thinking about this. Um, you know, I I think that part of our work and part of this. Not telling a news story, but rediscovering the real story, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Which, is like that, we, we. which is what we do. Write with... that down. And that's actually
2: she has these tidbits like that are really good and really powerful. And I'm like, write it down, use it as a quote, post it on Instagram, <laughs> do it to promote herself. You know. Anyway,
0: sorry, sidetrack. Uh, yeah, that's okay. And now I forgot what I said. Did you so write it down? <laughs> sorry. I was just going to say that. So part of that, not, oh, not telling a news story, but returning to the original story Mm -hmm. of Eve and Lilith um, and, and seeing that in a different lens is part of, I think it's part of, it's like the, how do I want to say that? It's like the psychoanalytic aspect of our, of our spiritual development. And let me clarify what I mean when I say that. Um, Beliefs instilled by the patriarchy are old, faulty, core beliefs for most Mm -hmm. of us. Mm -hmm. And I had a friend who said to me, here's another one, Carla. (laughs) I had a friend who said, how do you know if your belief is a faulty core belief? And she said, you know, it's a faulty core belief if you don't know why you have it and you can never remember a time you didn't believe it. Mm -hmm. So I think patriarchy as a whole is one of those faulty core beliefs that I, I know there are probably women in other parts of the world who didn't, grow up with that core belief but here in the west mm-hmm. I, I don't know anybody who didn't grow up with that core belief and because so much of that psychological conditioning and those constructs don't just come from the home that we were raised in mm-hmm. they come from society at large you know what i mean like i got the message that being a little gay girl was wrong and i didn't mm-hmm. get that message from my parents my parents are very liberal
1: yeah yeah
0: but I still grew up in the time that I did, and I watched the t- same TV shows as everybody else, and I saw the same commercials mm-hmm. as everybody else, and watched the same, you know, rom-coms that was always a heterosexual couple, you know what I mean? And those are faulty yeah. core beliefs that in my spiritual path, which I've been on for a really long time, I would even go so far as to say always, I think I've always been on a spiritual path from the day I was born. I didn't know that, mm-hmm. Right. But i've always been on the path whether i could see it or not and part of that is discovering those old faulty core beliefs and dismantling them and replacing them with these new but not so new mm-hmm. original ideas D- does that make sense am i i, I mean yeah. i i feel like okay so i've studied a bunch of different religions. And when you study a lot of religions, you come to a conclusion pretty quickly that no matter what it is, all religions have some very basic tenets in place, right? Like, don't be a dick. Help other people. And the third thing is always know thyself. Know thyself. And I think you're missing something in your spiritual path if you haven't done things like therapy or shadow work or whatever because if you're not healing the sisterhood wound the abandonment wound the what some call the Atlantean wound you know what i mean and mm-hmm. and you have to go within to to do that at least that that's my belief so thoughts so kelly
1: i would say that most religions actually don't want you to know yourself oh. <laughs> They do not. They're scared to death of that, especially if you're a woman. They want you to read their three tenets, say you believe, check the box, and move along like a good little sheep. Um, When we know ourselves, when we bite the apple, we subvert religion. Mm. And I think that we, I think our answers, I mean, I keep being drawn back to the word sovereignty. Everything I do is like I am sovereign. Like the answer is already within. We do yeah. a meditation. Um, we have a wisdom circle once a week, and home is always waiting. And like we descend into our woman bodies, we feel that. Um, and it's different than just thinking it. Um, so right. I think we have to incorporate new liturgies, new rituals, new ceremony, new words, new images. So, like, I love what mm. Carla's doing. I love what you're doing. I love what I'm doing. I love that we're bringing these from the past to the present, new lenses, new ways of understanding. Um, It's all part of recreating a reality that resonates with us as women.
0: You'll be very excited to know that in season two, I'll also be doing an episode on divine feminine sovereignty. With Rima Benario, Carla, who was one of the speakers in the heroines journey.
2: Hmm. That's right. Okay. So nice. very no, I, I think you guys are right. I think I think I think what we're all three saying is is different, a slightly different version of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Because I my thing is, and lately I've been on a path to, and I said it even to my mother who's very Christian, is to find out who I was before Christianity took it from that's
0: me. Right. You know? Right. Um,
2: Even this year, I mean, I'm away, I'm here in Crete, but at home, I didn't put up a tree. I didn't do anything. And I said to my daughter, my my daughter lives away, but she said, mom, are you going to do this and that? And I said, no, because I don't know what it means to me right now. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to think about it. I want to reflect on it. And I want to celebrate the solstice. Uh, So, Mm -hmm. and I want to go back and research what my ancestors were doing and how they were celebrating Before Christianity took that away from them. Yes.
0: I'll I'll have to share with you. So the Phileanists have their own liturgical, am I saying that right?
1: Liturgical.
0: Liturgical uh, calendar. Hmm. Like they have their own set of holidays. um, And and that's where their feast of Artemis or their day of the Artemis day or whatever that I was telling you about the other day. I'm sorry. Uh, So that was all I wanted to say about that.
2: Yeah. No, because there there is so much in the past and I I'm, because I'm a historian, I mean, that's, that's my Mm -hmm. natural sort of way of being, but, um, I want to know the history. I want to know the primariest of the primary sources, Mm -hmm. like go back as far as I can read it all and then see what feels right for me. And some things feel right for me exactly as they were. And some things have to be modernized. Right. But, yeah, I guess my irkness and and that has been the theme is that I don't know and I wasn't taught and the information is not readily available, mm-hmm. even for a researcher going to the library going to the archives it's still not as readily available as we would imagine oh you just go look that up no it's not it's not there you have to sort of piece mm-hmm. it from the voices of men and the mm-hmm. small slips of the tongue that they've said about that you know what I mean like. Mm-hmm. I know what you mean. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's our life's work to find our stories in the debris of patriarchy. Right. Right. Mm. Like, oh, there's a shard. I can put it with this. And I think that might mean this. That's what we do. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful though. If you think about it, I don't know if I was ever part of a community like this before. And now I'm part of like five different groups of women. Mm-hmm. And now I'm using the word sister. Yes. Uh, yes. Really, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, like, I don't know. I, I, when I started using it so freely, um, and it's powerful when when you say, you know, hello, sisters, or it's it does mm-hmm. something it creates a bond it does you know? now i had a question for you uh about the sister wound yeah so what is it exactly and by that i mean like is it cuz even lilith for example mm-hmm. don't ever meet is this well, sister- do they though do they i i don't know well because some of the myths
1: say that um the snake that came back yeah was lilith oh, coming okay. to help Eve.
0: Oh, i would not, he- I've not heard that. Yes. I, so uh, that,
1: that is a thing. Like what if Lilith came back? Like she's been banished. She came back. She's like, Hey, the wisdom is there. Bite the apple. Like we don't know. I mean, this is so ancient and so mythic
2: that there's no way we're going to find like, you there's know, there's a great- shard, an actual shard great. that's going to prove this there's art pieces that do show the snake as with a woman face and a woman.
1: Exactly. So yeah. maybe they did. Um, we don't know. I see. We can yeah. feel into it and see what feels true. Like, you know, Joseph, Joseph Campbell, when people ask him, because, you know, we always want to know, are they true? Are myths true? He's like, there's as true as they feel to you. Like, right. you know, that myths are powerful because they're not just old stories. Right, there's stories like Kelly was saying. Even if we didn't grow up going to church every Sunday, hearing about Eve being the downfall of humanity, we internalized that story because it was living all
2: around us. That's right. That's right. Yeah, stories are powerful. And again, Mm -hmm. again, that 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 duality between what is a fact and what is sort of you know what I mean. And again, the dismissal. Well, you have stories, and I have facts. I mean. You so? really have facts. I mean, especially in history, facts are really stories told by the victors. Exactly. Right. Yes. And who's going to verify that the person who wrote that and the person who wrote that before them really was accurate in every possible way? It's still a story, my friend. You know, exactly. just because you wrote it down doesn't make it a hundred percent fact. So. Yep. Yeah. Okay. That that's really cool. I'm thinking about the sister wound and I'm thinking like yeah. how how do we heal it? And I guess supporting each other is one of the mm-hmm. the number one ways. And know. I
1: love your um your vision of a spiral. Yeah, because it makes a lot of sense. Like a circle is fine for when we're gathering in yeah. one time in one place, but if you're forming a community. You spiral and some people are up here doing something now and then they get to go down here and rest and then someone else spirals up and leads. We have an artist that this Thursday night is doing goddess painting for us. And she just said, Mm -hmm. I want to do this for the sisterhood. And I was like, okay, so we're doing it. She's spiraling up, right? There's no money involved. There's no, it's just, she's spiraling up. And then she'll go rest in the sisterhood. And then someone else will say, you know, well, I want to sing this. Um, also this, well, this won't be applicable to your listeners, but this Sunday we're doing that ceremony um, of celebrating the seasons of a woman's life. And a friend of mine who's a singer songwriter is singing throughout parts of that. We're doing um, Power of the Blood, which is a classic Baptist hymn, but Power of the Woman's Blood. And we're reclaiming that song.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah. Yes. I just want to... Uh, so I just want to interject another thing about the spiral, and because sp- I'm very familiar with spiral imagery, it's a very ancient symbol.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but the other thing about the spiral, m- my take on that is not only what you guys talked about, but because our spiritual growth is a spiral,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I can pass the same place on the spiral several times, but like my vision. Of a goddess, or my idea of even a goddess theology, looks very different at fifty than Mm -hmm. it did at twenty-six. Right, you know what I mean. Um, So that's the other uh, spiral imagery that works with. I got a lot of witchcraft books with spirals on the cover, right? Yeah,
1: (laughs) and for women not to be discouraged, because I hear women say. I'm here again. I'm back here. I thought I learned this, and it's like, yes. no. But you're coming into it for like a new depth. You have a new understanding, like Kelly said. Right. You have this whole new stuff you've learned between 26 and 50. So you're here again, but you're not here again. You're in right. a different place, right?
0: That's I had a, I had, I had mm-hmm. a therapist that told me that when I had yeah. that reaction about something like. You know what? I fucking worked on this, and I've been working right. on it for years, and I thought I was over that. I checked she, it off, damn it! Right, and that's exactly what she said to me. She said, "When something comes up for you again, Kelly, it's just an opportunity to heal that on a yes. deeper level." And I was yeah. like, "Oh, Yep. Yeah. His spiritual development is the peeling of the onion, right? There's always more.
1: Exactly. There's always
0: more of me to know, yeah. and through that, there's always more of her to know yeah. right Yep.
2: yeah that's fascinating and of course because a linear linear thinking is very masculine mm-hmm. right, right? right. yeah but but see this is a core belief even though we have so much training let's say mm-hmm. you still fall back on some of those core patriarchal beliefs that then you have to remind yourself okay no that you know how long i've been doing this lately it's like oh no that's okay that's not my belief that's my the indoctrination mm-hmm. or you know and, uh, you gotta do, be patient with yourself to, absolutely. To yeah, It's a
1: whole, um, reorientation, like to use our, you know, modern language, it's reprogramming. It's it is everything.
2: Right. That's a good word. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yep. yeah.
2: It is reprogramming. Yep. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Well, so for the exciting. sisterhood,
1: sisterhood yeah. wound, like just, I think we've covered a lot that applies to it. Even when we went off on our tangents. But I think it is um, supporting, non-hierarchical, knowing we can hold uh, many things and resisting the scarcity mindset when that comes up. Yes. Um, Just like, I think when you were talking, Carla, about how when you've done this work and you say sister, it is powerful. It's not like, sister, like, Like spiritual bypassing sister. No, it you can feel it. So it comes back to sovereignty. Like when you're entering into a healthy sisterhood, you feel it in your body. When everything is tensed and you're like, I don't know. Like there's something you need to work on or something going on in that environment that is not the the deep sister. Yeah. 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 And look at, you know, all the myths. Every time you look at a myth, um, use that opportunity to dive deep, to see what's really there, to see what alternative interpretations there could be. I mean, if we've come up with all of this with Eve and Lilith in this discussion, every single woman from the past, whether it's a myth or a historical figure, look at it from I wonder who told that story, who had something to gain from that story? What social norms came out of that story? Yes. Yeah, that's the work. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is definitely the work. And just to confirm, Carla, doesn't it say know thyself in Latin above the Oracle of Delphi? It does. (laughs) Okay. It does. I just want to make sure I was right about that.
2: I can go on about the Oracle of (laughs) Delphi and how that was a a a women's place and a women's Mm -hmm. place. And Apollo kills the snake. The snake at delphi uh, and then he takes over the place that is a clear uh not, it's not even a metaphor it's a clear story of patriarchy taking over mm-hmm. one of the most um sacred places of prophecy in in this particular part of the world yeah
1: and so then once the snake is killed the religions that come after don't want you to know
0: yourself that's right right and they're certain- dead and they certainly- follow the rules and they certainly don't want you to know about Eve and Lilith. Certainly,
1: certainly not. not. Certainly,
0: certainly not. not. So here we are telling the world about Eve and Lilith. Are you ready for your three questions, Minette? Well, I
1: guess so, <laughs> since I don't know what they are.
0: <laughs> I ask these three questions of every guest. Uh, and I remember this time, so we don't have to come back and do this again. Okay. Um, wearing the same shirt. Uh <laughs> So the first question is, tell us something about yourself that people who know you well would be surprised to learn. That people who know me well? Or not so well. I don't know.
1: Okay. I have to say there's a bunch of things that are really odd about me, but people who know me well know them. But I'll just throw this out here. I love to play Pokemon Go. (laughs) <laughs> uh-huh. yes. yes. I started with my teenage son, and he's now in college in Scotland. And he texted me today and said, Hey, mom, let's do the Pokemon event this weekend. I'm like, Great. I'll send you a virtual <laughs> ticket and we'll, you know. So, right. yeah. So you could be like Goddess Excavator and Pokemon player. That's right.
2: Mm-hmm. That's amazing. I love it.
0: Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> love it. Okay. So, second question tell us your current. Favorite TV series or movie?
1: Okay, so I am binging um, Manifest. Oh.
0: Manifest?
1: It's not a typical. Th- it's on Netflix. It's I don't think is that the one
0: about the is that the one about the plane? The plane.
1: The plane goes oh, to see. a wormhole or some such thing and see, reappears see, five see. years later. Cindy and I tried to watch that and the acting was so horrible. We couldn't get into it. The acting is so bad. I keep telling everyone, like, I must have, it must have gotten me in a weak moment where I was, like, so sucked into the story. The acting is horrible, but the premise and, like, what would happen is fascinating enough to suck me in.
0: Okay. Nice. All right. Excellent. So the third question, what song would be the theme song of the soundtrack of your life?
1: Hmm. Hang on. There's one I've been listening to on repeat and I want to get the name right. Um, it's from, I discovered it in Scotland, the lost words, blessings. Um, Oh, and it's spell songs is the word is the song spell songs from lost words, blessings
2: lost words blessing
1: because I think that is so me like we just talked about all the words that have been lost from women
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um my blessing to the world is finding them and bringing them back oh it's playing now because I, I hit it <laughs> you can't. I will do y'all want to hear it can you hear it
0: no. I don't think so no no you can't hear yeah, it now no. okay never that's all right we'll go find it
2: yeah <laughs> That's amazing. Those are fantastic answers, by the way. Oh, good.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, Minette, for joining us. I do hope we get to talk to you again.
1: Absolutely.
0: And uh, in this little trio of sisterhood, it's really good to be with you guys and be in this space because energy knows no geographical boundaries. So here we all are together in our little our mini coven or sisterhood yes. um and it's been fabulous and i hope we can talk to you again soon yes.
1: thank you Kelly. thank you thanks carla
0: thanks for watching or listening if you want more of the girlfriend god you can find the girlfriend god and the girlfriend god podcast on tiktok instagram and facebook the